We're continuing this morning in a sermon series. We started last week on the book of Acts, looking at our witness. When those opportunities come up to be able to share about our faith, how is it we can be a contagious Christian? To draw people to us, uh, that they might ask those questions, but then to be prepared and faithful and expectant to have those opportunities to then share uh, how we met Jesus and the difference he's made in our lives. And so we're going through Acts, and we're spending two weeks in Acts uh, chapter 2, especially looking at Peter's evangelism here. And just right out of the gate, if you're following along in your notes, there's some, some great connections here. Last week we talked about the importance of the connection of laity versus clergy. And I, I, I admitted to you, I just don't matter as much. But when you share your faith through the way that you live, the attitudes that you hold, and then those opportunities, taking them carefully and faithfully to share your faith, that's where people more and more now are responding. And so there, there's just no way to explain the, the, the salvation numbers we're seeing except for the fact of when you all just share your faith with what's going on in your life that God's doing. And then we also talked about the importance of relationships. How is it you and I? naturally, authentically, how are we building relationships with people who, who, who maybe have never walked with Jesus or have and have walked away? How are we being, how are we being intentional about that? Because Jesus moves. That's, that's what you see here through the entire book of Acts. Jesus moves through people. Jesus moves through relationships. Every once in a while, you'll bump into a road to Damascus moment, but it's usually through people. Somebody saying a word. Uh, somebody being ready to witness. So that's where we've been. Today, in the bottom half of this speech, we see m so much more from Peter's evangelism. First would be this from verse 38. Salvation. Salvation is more uh, than we think. Salvation is more than we think. And I, I love this reminder this morning. Um, certainly, as we have heard prayed this morning, and as we have heard beautifully sung this morning, excuse me, Corey, your prayer was beautiful too. But as we've heard those things beautifully said to us, it's the Lamb of God who covers our sin through his death and through his resurrection. He has made atonement for our sin, but our salvation is even more than that. It's even more than the eternal life that's offered to us. Galatians 5.1 says exactly what our choir uh, said this morning. It's not just debt, but it's freedom. It's for freedom that you have been saved. There's so much more that we, as 2 Corinthians 2.15 would say, we are being saved. God continues to root things out of my heart. God continues to destroy, to destroy as Jesus came to do, the works of the devil. There's so much more that, that we have because of our life in Jesus Christ. And if we don't note that, when we're sharing with somebody, and all we talk about is debt and forgiveness, we're going to miss a good part of the gospel of not only what they can have, uh, but what they should have. And so what I know I struggle with, sometimes I just want to be so careful, and it's right to be careful about this, of our need for a Savior, that I don't tell them that other part of the story. I, I'm clear about it. This is who I was, and I needed Jesus. But I failed to lift up the goodness of the gospel. Here's what he's done in my life since. It's not bragging to say, this is what the Spirit had to do. And so they'll know, not only is it a commitment to, to forgiveness, but 
but there's going to be more on the other side. And so Peter is saying that here in verse 38 when he talks about the Spirit. Yes, there's repentance. Yes, there's forgiveness at the beginning of verse 38. But there is also the gifting and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's, good. that's a good reminder today. God didn't just want to wipe your slate clean. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with us. He wants to do a work in and through us. Peter's telling this whole beautiful picture of salvation. We have been saved, but we are being saved, and then one day in glory we will be fully saved. It's a great reminder to the church. When you and I share faith, salvation is even more uh, than we think. And then in verse 36, this second reminder, as Peter is sharing with them, he reminds them that Jesus Christ is not only Messiah, and that's what the word Christ means. He's not only Messiah, but he is also Lord. When I say, when I say the word Democrat or Republican, th those words are going to set a fire to your mind, and you have all kinds of thoughts about them. Um, if I say the word mom or dad, that could be a good thing, that could be a struggle for you, but those words are going to pop out some kind of emotional response. If I said the word A.D., I'm wondering what you're thinking about. Are you thinking about how we mark history by the death of our Lord Jesus? Or like most of us, and I thought about it too, are we thinking about athletic director and who we're going to hire in two years because that guy's struggling, right? But those words, we, we hear it, boom, we automatically put significance and weight and feelings behind it. Messiah's one thing, yes, deliverer. We've been waiting for a deliverer to lead the people of God back to God and to his promises. Yes, Jesus is our deliverer, our savior. But Peter reminds us you can never separate him from his lordship. And to have ascribed the word Lord to Jesus, that's the kind of things people pick up stones about in this day and time. And he looks them right in the eye and says, Lord and Messiah. You see it in John's gospel when Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord. And, and he says to them there, that's, that is who I am, for so I am, John 13, 13. Peter says the same thing here. He is Lord, and it's the earliest Christian, I've shared this before, it's the earliest Christian affirmation of faith. Kurios Jesus Christos. Jesus Christ is Lord, except Lord's thrown on the front end. And if you put something on the front end in Greek, that's that's the heavy word, Lord Jesus Christ. He comes always, yes, to deliver and to set us free and to save. But when he comes, Peter is saying to that crowd, and he says to us today as well, he comes always to be Lord. St. Augustine would say it this way, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. He always comes as Lord. My uh, discipleship group this past Thursday night had a private screening. 150-person theater, but it was just my discipleship group, had a private screening for the movie The Least of These. It's a story of missionary Graham Staines uh, from India. He worked with lepers for over 30-plus years. I, I encourage you uh, to see that. Uh, you may not get a private screening like we do. Uh, we did, but... Uh, we were the only people in the theater. I called it, it was a, literally it was a private screening, just nobody else was there. But I look at it as a private screening. And I'm such a nerd, I emailed our entire D group. Dude, 
we've got to buy tickets early. This thing's going to be packed. Ravi Zacharias is pushing this thing. Ravi's one of my heroes. Everybody get online. I sent these links. Buy your tickets. Eight people in the whole theater. Yeah. One of the most moving parts about that movie, it's a movie of a true story, is somebody in that family gets killed because of their Christian faith. They're sought out because of their faith, and they're martyred because of their faith. And the mother of that family not only forgives, how do you do that? But then we get a glimpse, the the filmmakers give us a glimpse into her private time alone. It's one thing to say in front of everybody else, yes, I forgive them, but when you're alone in your prayer closet, when you're alone as this movie pictures her in her bedroom, what are you screaming and shouting to God at that moment? Losing someone you love. You know what they give us, the filmmakers? I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender all. It's a beautiful picture of somebody who is yielding their life Uh, to Jesus Christ, to his lordship, no matter the hurt. How can you yield a loved one, even if that's the cost? The other hymn reminds us, because him, because of him, he yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened a floodgate that all could come in. Praise the Lord. Yielding our life. And Peter here is testifying to them Even when we're broken, we go before the Lord and say, you are still Lord. It's a a word that every time we bump into that title, Lord, again, in that culture, you would never attribute that to give that to a human. But here's Peter saying, oh, no, 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 this one is Lord of all. When you and I bump into that, it always should give us pause and, and to look at our hearts and to look at our lives and to look at our attitudes, to look at what we're doing and just say, where do I need to yield? For you are Lord of all. And then this last reminder in verse 40, this other connection, this reminder that evangelism and holiness are connected. Evangelism and holiness are always connected. It's critical in that. Now, In this particular passage, Peter is calling them out of a corrupt generation. And that's part of evangelism. Come home. Come out of this world. Just looking at some things that have popped up in our world the last couple of weeks in our nation, and your head is spinning and your heart is broken for what you're seeing, news of this and this and this. And that is right, uh, that we are calling people out of that. But you can't call people out of that as you watch the whole book of Acts Unless you've come out of that well. Unless you've come out of that, it's hard to call somebody out of that. Holiness and evangelism is always connected. If you're doing our Bible reading plan, there's a, that, was a, that was a solid reminder in 1 John. You read through those first couple of chapters, just that reminder, we just can't be a part of the world. If we're a part of the world, we have to be in it but not of it because if we are, we will, we will miss the opportunity uh, to, to share about Christ if we're not, not just pure, but, but the root word of holiness also means separate, that we're separate uh, from this uh, world. Just looking at our week this week, looking at my week, 
Was it clear to the people I bumped into at meetings and restaurants, out at the soccer field yesterday, wherever it was? Is there holiness marking my life? Ravi Zacharias, who speaks at the end of this film that, that I talked about, the least of these, he reminds us, I heard him say this in Jackson, Mississippi a few years ago, we, we are in a culture now that, that listens with its eyes. They listen with their eyes, and when they watch our lives, then they'll say, okay, his life is matching what he's saying, and then that's the way they'll hear us. Again, I'm not talking about a legalism. But, if, but if, if our culture, if those we love don't see Christ in us and through us, um, they just won't listen to us. I read a disgusting article recently about a company that will come in with black lights and other materials. If you have a pet, they'll show you what your house really looks like. And I want to pull the screen and I want you to see a few of these. I'm not doing that. It was bad. I won't put that on you today, right? And as people look at our lives, we're human. I'm not saying we're not going to be human. And I'm not saying we're gonna, not going to stumble. But there's a reminder here in Peter, and you watch the evangelism that hap- happens in Acts. It's, it's just critical for us to love God with our lives, to love God with our attitudes. It opens the door. Just person after person in the book of Acts, you just see how that opens the door. Church history event after church history event. This story of Graham, uh, Graham Staines, the way he loved people, those lepers who are broken, that kind of love opens the door when we live well before others. And it's, it's such a gift, y'all. Holiness. It's such a gift, not only to those who are unsure about the faith, it's a great gift. It's a great gift to each other. When I watch you gutting it out, holding on to Jesus in, in, in some tough things in business, some tough things in politics, some tough things with, with social groups you're a part of, and just watching you gut it out and live for Jesus as hard as that can be, that's an encouragement to me. It's an encouragement to each other. It's a great gift we bless each other with is to hold on to that, to that life in Christ. What a great gift you give is Acts 16 you see. When the whole families are baptized, what a great gift you give to your families. When you hold on to Jesus, you hold on to his life, you imitate his life. There's no telling what he can do in your family's life when you've done that. They'll listen well. Um, Holiness is always connected to evangelism. So what about our evangelism? If you're following along in your notes, we won't cover all of these this morning. As we go through this series, I just want to preach on the text, but then at least have a few minutes to think, how, how can we equip ourselves to, to when, those, when those divine appointments come up, and I actually have an opportunity to share about faith, how do I do that well? Well, there, there are several components to evangelism. So if you're looking along in your notes, there's some reminders here uh, that, that whatever we do, it's got to be authentic. It's got to be natural. It's always going to be personal. It has to be verbal. Faith only comes by hearing. When we talk about evangelism, especially in our culture, it doesn't work to go on the street corner and shout. God tells you to do that, bless you. You go for it, okay? But so many times it's just in conversations. It's looking for how a conversation is going and then being able to turn that to spiritual matters. Or because you've lived well in front of somebody, because you've lived well in a place of hurt or brokenness, somebody's going to come to you with their hurt and brokenness and say, 
how in the world did you get through that? And then it gives you an opportunity. So there, as important as a life well-lived is, we want to be prepared to always then share the hope that is within us, as 1 Peter 3.15 says. It's process-oriented. It's team-oriented. Most people, I know I've said this once before on a Sunday morning, most people don't come to Saving Faith the first time the gospel is shared. I think it's up to eight to ten touches. So you don't have to get somebody, I do, somebody Somebody even opens up about a spiritual matter. I just want to grab by the throat and say, we're not leaving here until you get Jesus, right? God works through many people and in many ways and at many times. And we need to allow for that. Allow people, as Jesus did, to walk away. But this last component, putting other people first, it's worth talking about. Especially in this area of listening. People just want to know you care enough to listen. I shared this on Wednesday nights. This is a statistic that, that I, I totally miss. In a conversation where somebody comes to saving faith, the person sharing faith, the evangelizer, only does 20% of the talking. Now I would think, oh, you got to do 80% of the talking. I got to lead them down the Roman road. Got to do all these scriptures. Got to do. Just care enough to listen and ask the right questions. It's, it's listening. It's, it's caring enough. And people will respond uh, to that. I was blessed to help with the youth worship service at annual conference a few years ago. And we showed a video of a young person, a 20-something. And, it, and it, it just reminds us again of the importance of that, of listening well. In that video, she said this, speaking of church people that try to evangelize her because she wasn't a believer. Here's what she said. The whole time that you're talking, I'll be waiting for you to finish. Please listen to me. See who I am. I have a story that makes me who I am and what I believe in. The whole time you're talking, I'll be waiting for you to finish. You watch Jesus do this so beautifully you watch peter do this well he's about to do it as well in just in a few chapters it's critical that you and i care enough to listen and to know the stories of those that we love and and want to see come uh, to christ it's also important this word deferring to defer to their schedules to defer to their hobbies to know uh, their questions well enough to defer to that so we take an authentic and real interest in their lives and we defer to them I, uh, my son plays club soccer at Mississippi State, and they were asked by the women's coach at Mississippi State to play the women's team. That's a real team. That's a nationally ranked soccer women's team. They went to the NCAA tournament this year. Just before that game, the uh, women's coach asked the boys' club coach, hey, let's get together, let's promote this, let's have a friendly match together. Now, the women's coach met with my son's team and said, now listen, we're going to the NCAAs in a week. You're not going to tackle, right? You're not going to do this. You're not going to grab. You're not, and he just laid out all these rules so they would be careful. And the women's team knew it. <laughs> they didn't get the memo about all those rules. <laughs> this was open season on my son and the entire club team because they, they knew there could be no retaliation. I mean, grabbing blood. I mean, it was terrible. When you defer, sometimes you get beat up. <laughs> but when you defer, 
when you love somebody enough like Paul to know even their poets and what their theology is, when you're like Peter, you love somebody enough to know their scriptures and what they're thinking about and defer to that. Let me tell you, on your, on your prophets, on your David, on your scriptures, here's the truth of the gospel, to love somebody enough to defer to them so that you might be able then to have a spiritual conversation. Last thing, if you're looking on your notes as we close, what we're doing on Wednesday night is we're working through all these different styles of evangelism. Some of you superheroes of evangelism have all six styles. I don't know. I have maybe one thinking about a second. You know, it's interesting. They asked preachers, what do you spend most of your time doing? In a national poll, you know what preachers said? Working on my weaknesses. People point out my weaknesses, and so I'm constantly trying to get better at my weaknesses. Now listen, if there's, if there's something in my teeth, I need to know about it. You point it out to me. But there's something right about working from our strengths, right? That's what corporate America does. You, you, you set people who are gifted in this area free to do that. And we're the body of Christ. So find your, you may be called to do all six, but what we ought to do is find what we're strong in and go with that. So for some of you, that's confrontational. This is what we think of when we think of evangelism. Getting in somebody's face, that usually doesn't work well in our culture. But there are times for that. You see it right here with Peter. These people who have been a part of killing Jesus, those people he was terrified of just weeks ago, as we said last week, and he stands up and he looks them in the eye. It's not a primary model for today, but it is, it is critical for us to be clear about our faith. And Peter has no problem being confrontational about that. Jesus Christ is Messiah and he's Lord. I wonder how the Lord might be calling you to do that. Who, who is that person? And then the second one is intellectual, and you see that through everything that Paul does. He's so good about debating and helping people wrestle with their questions and thoughts about God. Could you come, along some, uh, come alongside aside somebody who's really struggling? Is there a God? Why is there suffering in this world if there is a good God? How can there be any purpose? How could God have made all these things? Boy, to come alongside of them with with care and with resources and with questions and, and love them enough to go get those answers. Um, and then this is a critical one, especially today, and that's testimonial. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you also. Oh, people just want to know that he's real. And when you have a testimony to share, maybe it's like me and you have a night and day testimony where you can say, this is who I was before I met Jesus. Then after I met him, here's what he's now doing in my life. Some of you might be able to say, I got a dud of a testimony because he's always walked with me. That's a great testimony that God's been with me, reaching for me all my life. And then you can say to I've run out of battery, but I haven't run out of sermon. All right. <laughs> nice try, Rusty. Nice try. A lot of us hide behind our testimony because we think it's a dud. Everyone who's saved by Christ has a testimony to give. I'd love to talk with you about that. The next couple, interpersonal. God works through relationships. That's so important. Look, we just don't relate like we ought to. There's this superficial means of, of, of social media. You know, we have more back porches than front porches now. You know, we just, we don't connect like we ought to connect. If you will do the work and the time, and I know it's time, 
uh, to build relationships. The Lord will work through that. That's the only way to explain the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit, prayer, the gospel, and people just chose to build uh, relationships. As well as invitational here in Luke 14, most non-Christians would come to work if somebody would, I mean, would come to church, if somebody would just say a word, hey, why don't you come with me this next week and we'll, we'll, we'll have lunch. I talked to one of the Walmart managers at Oxford years ago, and he had this guy named John Grisham wanting to sell his book at his store. Now, this first book wasn't well received. He let John come into the store didn't sell many, I think maybe 5,000 in all, I think even nationwide at first on the first run, couldn't sell it. Came back with the second book, The Firm, and it had mixed reviews, but he continued to let him sell it. The only way to explain how that, you might say, well, it sold because it was good, but the real reason it sold is because people, people read it, thought it was good, and they, they told somebody. It's invitation. It's word of mouth, and that's where you see whether it's Philip or Peter or Paul, that's what you see happening here in the book of Acts. And then this last one, it's serving. This is how our culture will hear, hear us, y'all. When you and I serve well, you can't argue with that, how Christians love people and how Christians love to serve. Whether it's Porndexter uh, Park, uh, whether it's Delta Grace, whether it's Celebrate Recovery, whether it's this We'll be announcing soon a big weekend we've got coming up in a couple of months for all of us to serve our community uh, as well as rise against hunger. When you and I serve well, it speaks volumes about Jesus. That, at the end of the movie, the least of these, they have about a 10-minute clip following the movie where Ravi Zacharias shares, but also the woman who played Graham Stain's wife, she shares about it. And while they were filming the movie with the lepers, they had actual lepers there, and she said there was a scene where a man had to put his foot in my face. Now that foot is rotting away. And she said that foot, not only the foot, but the whole room smelled of death because of his foot. And I sat there trying to push myself. How am I going to get through this scene? And she said, I heard the, the Lord audibly say, I love his feet. I love his feet. Will you love his feet? And she said, not only did my heart change, she said, the room changed. I couldn't smell his foot anymore. Actually, it was a glorious, beautiful smell in the room. And I looked around and I asked, do you smell that? And people who were non-Christians in the room, these cameramen just working a gig, said, yes, we do. God said, I love these feet. When you and I love and have compassion, the world has to, not only has to, it does respond to that. Peter says, Peter says, oh, we've been saved by a great grace in Jesus Christ, but there's so much more to salvation. Oh, he wants to free you. He wants to fill you. Peter also says, hey, we've got to come out of this world. We've got to come out of this world. If we're going to do any kind of real ministry, we have to watch our lives. Holiness and evangelism are always connected. Peter says, not only is he savior and deliverer, but Peter reminds us as well, Jesus Christ is Lord. How is it this day we need to yield our lives anew? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for these weeks together where we can pray about, think about, get equipped for evangelism. We know you are the one who draws people to yourself, that that's in your heart. But Father, we're thankful that you call us to be a part of that. So help us as we go through these weeks. Just encourage us, bless us, but also then train us up 
uh, so that we might be ready, expectant, uh, to be able to share the good news that you have saved us with a great grace by a great and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, help us to look honestly at our lives so that everything of our life might be set apart before you so that we can better share the gospel of Christ. And we also pray uh, that we look at every, every motive, every, every thought, uh, every action of our lives, that they might be yielded to the one who is Messiah and Lord. It's in his name that we pray these things. Amen.